Genesis 24, 1, and it reads, Now Abraham was old and well advanced in age. He wasn't just old. He was old and well advanced. Now, you got to understand, when the Bible talks about old, the Bible's talking about old, old. Not you 44-year-olds talking about, I'm old, my back hurts. No, no, no. When the Bible says old, the Bible talking about 250 years old, 695 years old. Like, like should have been dead 500 years ago, and you still got 300 more years to go. This is biblical old. Is <laughs> that, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Somebody say all things. That's what God has for you. He wants every air of your life blessed. He said he wants you blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when you come and when you go. He doesn't just want your faith blessed. He wants your business blessed and your relationships blessed and your marriage blessed and your finances blessed. God wants his fingerprint on every single area of your life. Somebody say he's preaching already. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh. Somebody say, oh my. (laughs) What does that mean? So in 2022, come on flowers, we have something called DocuSign. Where if you're getting into a contract, you take an email, you send it to somebody, they can e-sign it and it's good to go. Back in the Old Testament, they didn't have DocuSign, they had a thigh. When one man grabs another man's thigh, there's no going back from that. It... (laughs) You, that's covenant right there. <laughs> it's a biblical version of DocuSign. He said, put your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. Watch this. We're looking for a wife for Isaac, but you shall go back to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. Apparently somebody from West Virginia wrote this passage. Some of y'all going to catch up on that one a little bit later. <laughs> and the servant said to him, perhaps the women will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you come? But Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. Somebody say, I'm not going back there. Come on, say it with faith. Say, I'm not going back there. I'm going to finish the verse, but can I preach for a second? Don't go back to a place that God brought you out of because you're desperate for a relationship. Don't go back to a place that God brought you out of just because you're tired of being single. Make a decision. I'm not going back to who I used to be just for a relationship. He said, don't take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house, from the land of my family, who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, to your descendants, I give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be released from this oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful for this moment right now. God, you're here. God, in scripture, you took one piece of bread and you fed thousands of people. God, I'm asking that you take this one message, that you divide it up amongst the thousands of people that are listening and make it exactly what each and every one of us need in this moment. God, we're making the decision that as you speak, we will obey. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray.
Somebody shout amen. Come on, Baltimore County. Somebody shout amen. I want to preach a message today called Let's Arrange This. Let's Arrange This. The number one question I get from people who are single is, Pastor, how do I date as a Christian? Over and over and over and again, I constantly have this conversation. Pastor, I knew how it was when I wasn't a Christian. I, I, I knew what life looked like, kind of like a little bit of a king and I. I went from flower to flower to flower to, y'all never saw a king and I. I knew what to do before I was a follower of Christ, but now I'm a follower of Christ. What does Christian dating look like? Some of y'all get all uptight because you so say, like, it's not dating, it's courtship. Actually, it's semantics. That's what it is. We're talking about the same thing. Basically, how do I find the person to spend the rest of my life with? Now, I've been out the game for a while. Still out the game. I'm never going back to the game. I'm glad I'm not in the game. But, you know, sometimes you can be out of the game so long that people can misunderstand and think that you never had it. And I just think that it's important as Union Church that you understand that your pastor is not in the game anymore, but he used to be in the game. And when he was in the game, it was not a game. I'm going to talk my talk. I just need y'all to understand. Your bro had game. Now, I know I got this little Gumby haircut right now, but catch me about 14, 15 years ago. I'm telling you, waves so sick. You needed a life raft every time you came around. It was just like, what's that on top of his head? I'm feeling seasick right now. I see these dudes, they walk around with the hairbrush and they're just constantly brushing their hair. Homie, if you got to brush it that much, you don't have it. It's just, it's, it's not going to come. Get you a degree. Go, go make you, get you something else. Cause <laughs> Pastor's eyes going to preach in a few weeks and I know she's going to completely wreck me. So I got to make sure that I tell my side of the story before she comes and gives you her half-truths and missing out the most important. But if you were here last week, you know that I've been a pastor of this church for 11 years, that I've been married for nine years, which means there was two years I was single, and it, did, it wasn't good. It wasn't, it wasn't good at all. A bunch of people in the church had a prophetic word that I was their husband, except I didn't get the same prophetic word. And, come on now. God told me, well, God can speak, and he ain't tell me nothing. So until he speaks... And, Okay, say, stay, I'm going to stay out of trouble, stay out of trouble, stay out of trouble. But long story short, and you watched last week's message, you'll catch it. Oh, man under authority, I was talking about overseers and talking to my mama and my dad and all that kind of stuff. And, and I said, hey, I'm interested in Zion. My mom said, if you don't date her, you're crazy. But let me pray about it first. This woman of faith, she prayed for the next three months straight. I checked in every two years and said, Mama, either God's deaf or you're not listening because it does not take this long to get a word from God. It got real bad. I live in a super conservative home growing up. I looked my mama in the eye and said, Mom, you're having sex and I'm not. This is not fair. I need you to get a word from God like now. Later on, she said, the reason I was praying so long is because I knew Zion, I knew you, and I knew if you guys dated, you would get married. I wasn't praying for a girlfriend, I was praying for a spouse. That ain't even a point, but point number one, you're praying for a spouse, you're not praying for a boyfriend. You're thinking about the finish line, you're not thinking about the starting point. So finally, I got the dates, y'all. 
December 2012, first Sunday of the, of the month, my mama said, I got a piece about it. Go for it. I was like, cool. That Tuesday, I called Zaya up. I said, hey, there, there, there's a, a, a worship night. By the way, use Jesus to your advantage. <laughs> I said, there's a worship night at uh, one of Overseer's Church. I'm going with some friends. Would you like to come? She said, oh, yeah, I like worship. What she meant was she liked me, but she didn't know how to say it. So she, yeah, I like worship. I'll, I'll be there. What I later found out was at the time I called her, she was in Philadelphia with her homegirls. Jumped in her car, drove two hours down to worship Jesus. It was about Jesus. I'm here for the Lord. I'm here for the Lord. Here for the Lord. I'm sorry, short. We get to worship night. I didn't worship but one time. I had my hands up. I said, Jesus, I love you. And I think I love her too. But we'll figure that one out later. After a whole worship night, I had this whole plan. I was going to take her out to eat and kind of pop the, the, I guess, the little question before the big question. Not the, will you marry me, but will you be my girlfriend question and all deal. So we get out in the parking lot. and yeah, Talk about a third wheel. Just don't let that be you. We're hanging out in the parking lot. She's there. My homies are there. A couple different people. And they would not leave. And I'm waiting for the moment where I just got, hey, you want to grab something? And, and one of my friends like, hey, you want to grab some food? No, not with you. Go home. So I, I, nobody was leaving. I didn't get my moment. So I jumped in the car. Everybody kind of, and you know, I don't know about this, but it's like, if I don't shoot my shot, I may not get another shot. And I'm sitting in the parking lot in my car and I'm just vacillating. I gotta shoot my shot. I'm gonna shoot. So I picked a car and said, Hey, are you hungry? She's like, Yeah. I was like, You wanna grab some food? She's like, Yeah, where? I started scrolling through my phone. Only Baltimore would know about this. The only place open was Double T Diner on Route 40. Where my Baltimore folks at? If you, if you know, you know. If you don't know, just imagine. Double T Diner. <laughs> You walk into some restaurants, they have the little letter on the door that says, this is A-plus rating. You go to Double T Diner, ain't no letter on the door. Don't ask, you just need faith. No exaggeration. We walk into Double T Diner, and they are wheeling a man out on a gurney. He had just had a heart attack. Apparently, he tried to sweet potato pie, and it did not go well for him. As I try to play on innocent, she's like, who else is coming? We sent them home. <laughs> so we sit down, we eat. And you know, now you go home. It, you, every, it gets to this moment of awkwardness where there's no, many, no more dumb questions you can ask, no more superficial conversations. It's obvious you want to say something, and you got to say something, and this was my moment. So I'm like, okay, here we go. I'm going to shoot my shot. I said, so Zai, I've known you for a long time, and we've been friends, and you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I was thinking and I was wondering, what would it look like? <laughs> I grab some water and I take a sip of water. And it was in that moment that I realized we have the right pipe and the wrong pipe. And if the water goes down the wrong pipe, you're in trouble. I don't know what the right pipe or the wrong pipe is. I just know the pipe went down. It wasn't supposed to go down. Next thing you know, I am literally choking to death in front of her. 
Tears are streaming down my face. And that's when I learned that my wife was a savage. She didn't flinch. She didn't try to help me. She didn't move. She didn't say, are you dying? She was just. But you, you know, you can't go out like that. So I'm choking, I'm coughing, I'm sneezing. Water is coming out every which way. But I'm not going down like that. So I was. <laughs> no, she can't trash me because I'll trash myself. When I finally pulled my life back together from the grips of death that held it. No exaggeration. My next words were, so what do you think? Come on now. That's why you need waves. Because when you don't have words, the waves will save you. <laughs> she was as sprung as I was, though, because she said, that sounds nice. Yeah. Well, what's the point? <laughs> You're going to need a little bit more than game. Actually, game, game don't matter as much as you think it does. All of a sudden, we're worried about smooth. Are they, are they is? Are they that? But I'd like to submit to you that finding somebody to spend the rest of your life with is a little bit more than the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air taught us. It's a little bit more than yo, baby, yo, baby, yo, baby, yo. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're from Baltimore, hey, yeah. In this passage that we were reading, we come across a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham, the Bible says, was the father of faith. He was one of the first people to obey and to follow Almighty God, to leave his country, to go to the land of Canaan, which is present-day Israel, the land that God says, I'm going to give you to prove to the world what it looks like to have the favor of God on your life. Abraham, the Bible says, was blessed in every single area of his life. His socks were blessed. His shoes were blessed. His kids were blessed. His money was blessed. His business was blessed. Every area. And as Abraham was passing away, he said, there is one thing left to do, and that is to make sure that my son marries the right person. Because Abraham understood, it does not matter how blessed I am. If the next generation gets this decision wrong, all of the blessing can be lost in one generation. Come on now, I'm talking to some married folks in this room. I'm so glad that you found your forever and that you're happily ever after. But there's another generation that is counting on your wisdom, on your structure, on your guidance. And everything you've built can be lost in one generation. If we don't learn how to get this one decision right. So I want to give you just three quick thoughts. Three quick thoughts. They're not going to be quick. I'm lying. Flowers. This is what I do every week. But three long, elaborated, drawn out, beat to death thoughts. <laughs> how do I find the person who spent the rest of my life? But the first thing is this. Write this down. If you love Jesus, write this down. If you don't love Jesus, write this down. First thought is this. Preparation is everything. Preparation is everything. Old folks used to say, measure three times, cut once. Make sure that you're prepared. Before you shoot your shot, make sure you know you're ready to aim. I used this analogy for a service and it didn't go well, but the thought crossed my mind. Nobody really is going to apply for a mortgage unless they are ready to purchase a home. Now, first service said, Pastor, that's not true. That's why I have the whole housing crisis of 08. But for the sake of this message, hypothetically, 
You're not going to apply for a mortgage unless you're ready to purchase a home. Now, you may call mortgage mortgage broker. Here's where my credit is. Here's what this is. Here's what that is. What's the likelihood? What am I looking at or whatever it may be? But you're not going to complete an application when you know you're not ready to purchase anything. You don't start the journey until you're ready to close the deal. Somebody say he's preaching already. Why is it that we understand this when it comes to home purchases? Why is it that we understand this when it comes to other areas of our lives, but we don't understand it when it comes to relationships? Stop filling out applications until you are ready to close the deal. The Bible says this in Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 5. Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the gazelle and wild deer, do not awaken love until the time is right. I don't believe that she wrote this out of her wisdom. I believe she wrote it out of her anguish. I believe she was saying, if I knew senior year what I know now. Come on now. If I knew sophomore year in college what I know now. If I could go back to my 14-year-old self, here's what I would say. Do not awaken love if you're not in the position to close the deal. Because when you wake up love that has no finish line, the only thing you get out of it is shame and a broken heart. This ain't the message, but can I take a little detour? 13-year-olds dating is not cute. Oh, my gosh, it's senior prom. Oh, oh my gosh, it's, 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 it's Valentine. Oh, my gosh, it's homecoming. Oh, my gosh. I'm learning how to love someone and walk away. When I've practiced that 14 times before I walk down the aisle. That's so good. And I've built the muscle of I love you, but I can't put up with you. And I'm standing in front of a pastor saying until death do us part. But that walk away muscle is strong. What do you think is going to happen? Unreconcilable differences has never been such a broad phrase. <laughs> That could mean you leave the toilet seat open. But could it be that we practiced wrong and now we're playing wrong? Bible says, do not awaken love until it's time. Until you're ready to be married, until you're ready to close the deal, you should not be dating and out there. You should be worried about you getting ready for you. Here's a great question. The person that you're dreaming about, are you their dream? Am I the dream of the person that I'm dreaming about? Am I a blessing to the person that I want God to send me? Abraham said this. He said, find my son a wife, but do not find her from these city girls. I mean, these Canaanite. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Pray pray for your pastor. God's. I'm not even Catholic, but just... Abraham said, don't find my son a wife from these Canaanite women. And and I just got to take a quick theological detour. This was not a racist statement. He didn't say, don't find from the Canaanite women because we don't mess with that race. Matter of fact, interracial marriages are all throughout scripture. God was so intentional about it that if you read Jesus's genealogy in Matthew chapter one, there is only one woman that is mentioned in the entire genealogy. She was a Canaanite named Rahab. 
And God said, I just want you to know from my genealogy, it's not even all Jewish because I came for all people and all men and all creeds, all colors and all race. He wasn't saying don't marry her because she's Canaanite. He was saying they don't believe what we believe. He said, it's so important that I find my son a spouse who worships the God that we worship, who has the values that we have, who sees life the way that we see it. Find someone who believes what we believe. Here's why Abraham knew where to look for a spouse for his son, because they had convictions. How do I know that I'm ready to date and ready to get married? Do you have convictions? What's a conviction? It's a life decision that you're unwilling to compromise on. It's this is what I believe. It's this is who I am. This is what I value. This is what I'm going after. This is what I'm pursuing in. These are my convictions. Now, before the pandemic, you used to actually be able to go to a car dealership and negotiate. You you used to go in and how much is the car? It's $20,000. I'll give you $17,000. Okay, I got to talk to my manager. $19.99.99. With $7,000 of taxes. Now, I was back before the pandemic, and I thought things were still that way. So you go get a car, and you say, how much is it? 20? I said, I'll give you 15. What's your offer? 20. I'll give you 17.5. What's your response? 20. Ma'am, sir, you're not negotiating. No, I'm not. Fine, I'm walking away. You know the negotiation hasn't started until you walk away. Fine. I don't want the car. That's fine, sir. It'll be gone by 3 p.m. Because that's just the... It's amazing how when you don't know how much you're worth... Someone will try to offer you less than your value. And because you're so, can I say desperate without being offensive? I was there. I get it. But because you're so insecure about the fact that God has your future in his hand, that you're willing to devalue your standards for the immediacy of this moment. Somebody say, I need some convictions. You, you need to know who you are. You need to know what you believe. You, 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 you need to know what you stand. You need some values. You, you don't just need values. You need to be healthy emotionally and spiritually. I'm not saying perfect. Somebody say nobody's perfect. You, you know the word healthy. The word healthy is what we use today. The biblical word is sanctification. What it means is to be formed back into the wholeness that God made us to be. Hear me. You ain't going to be fully sanctified till you dead. We can constantly become more like Christ. So there's nothing like, there's no such thing as two perfectly healthy people meeting. I don't need need to be perfectly healthy, but I need to be healthy enough that I can maintain a relationship. I need to be healthy enough that when I get angry, I can say, I'm angry. Without going dark for three days. Or punching a hole through the wall. What happened to your knuckles? I didn't know how to express myself. 
Come on now. I need to have enough integrity, enough control of myself that I can see someone that I'm attracted to, but know that this is the temple of Almighty God and that I'm not governed and dictated by my desires. I am governed and dictated by the one who died and saved my are you healthy? Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 25, 28. A man or a woman, who's crazy, without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Yeah, you ever heard people say, man, they just push my buttons? My question is, why you got so many buttons? Listen to me. If the salesperson at Popeye's is able to push your buttons, your button needs a cover. I mean, they don't, they don't have the nuclear button just for, out, for everybody else to push. But for some reason, you got your nuclear suitcase just open, just waiting for, no, no, no. Am I, am I healthy? Am I, am I able to control my lust? Am I able to control my anger? Am I able to control my emotions? Am I up? Am I down? Can I communicate? I need to be whole enough to have relationships. I need to have values and convictions. Here's number three before I'm ready. I need to have a vision for my life. What's the vision? Can you a symbol? Where are you going? Well, after church, we're going home. Okay. What you going to do after that? Well, try to find a Super Bowl party. Okay, cool. How about next month? Next week? Next year? Where are you going? What has God called you to? What is the purpose on your life? When you step out and you look back... What are you building? One of the things women all get caught up in when we start talking about submission. The Bible says, wives, submit to your husband. Women get all uncomfortable with that because they don't read the whole verse. It says, husbands, die for your wife. Listen, I'll take submission over death. (laughs) Y'all get it off easy. All you got to do is say whatever you want. All we got to do is, no, that's... Can I help you out? I know I'm not a woman and submissions, you need the Holy Ghost, but let me help you out a little bit. It's really easy to submit to someone who's heading the same direction as you. It's really easy to submit to someone who raises children the same way you raise children. It's really easy to submit to someone who values their money the same way you value your money. It's easy to submit to someone who cares about your mother and your father the same way that you do. It's easy to submit. It's not easy to submit. I just lied for five minutes. It's easier to submit when we have a unified vision. But here's the problem. So many people don't have a vision for their life. You're what I, you let the wind take you wherever it may go. Fail. You know where the wind takes you? To shame, heartbreak, and regret. The wind has never taken anybody a place that they want to end up. What's the vision that you have for you? Because when you have the vision, watch this. Finding your spouse is simply, do you align with the vision that God has for me? I'm heading this direction. Where are you headed? Well, I'm heading that direction. Well, you ain't the one. Remember, I was talking to this girl before I started dating Zion. We were talking, talking. We were never dating. I don't care what she says. We were just talking. As we're talking, I knew I was in trouble. But when I asked her out, she said, I got to fast about it. (laughs) 
I mean, I only take people to Double T Diner. It's not that deep. But as we were talking, found out, and she's like, hey, I don't want to get married until I'm finished my master's. Oh, great. Okay. How many more semesters you have? She said, I have four semesters left in undergrad. Do you not see these waves? <laughs> Love God. Great woman. We just weren't heading the same direction. I ain't waiting no three years. I'm burning. I got about 15 minutes. What's she doing next week? <laughs> when you have a vision for your life, it's quite simple. What's the vision for your life? Nope, don't align. Sorry, you ain't the one. Now, if I had more time, maybe we'll clean it up in the singles night this Friday night. Be there. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be wild. It's going to be fun. Anyway, now you can't confuse vision for ambition. Ambition is not necessarily bad. It's just not God. Ambition is what you want for your life. Vision is what God has for your life. God's vision, I'm telling you, it's not going to be super tight and narrow. It's going to be, this is the purpose that I have for you, but you can live that purpose out in Texas. You can live it out in Philly. You can live it out in New York. You can live it out overseas. What your ambition is, I want this house on this job and this many kids and this breed of puppy, and I want to drive this car, and I want to do it by this date. Here's the problem. When you hold on tightly to ambition, you can see someone that is godly and a great option, but because they don't fit into your ambitions, you can walk by a great option. Come on. Anyway, honest enough to say the ambitions you had three years ago have changed. Come on now. They were either too big, too unrealistic, or too small. You ever had a five-year plan that you operated in one year? Now you're like, what am I going to do for the next four years? Things change, but no, 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 I'm talking about the vision. God's book. Second thing is, write this down, write this down. Pursuit can be premature. Pursuit can be premature. As you read in scripture, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt as slaves, went through the wilderness and into the promised land, God says, I have a land that's flowing with milk and honey for you. It's beyond anything that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And watch this. This is a biblical principle. Your mama not going to give you, but it'll change your life. God promised them something, but before they went into the promised land, they sent spies to see if the land that they were on the edge of lined up with what God promised them. They said, before I invade, before I conquer, before I shoot my shot, before I flick my hair, let me make sure this is actually something that I want. Can I say it plain? Go ahead. There's so much that you can learn about a person without ever going on a date with them. And you can save yourself so much heartache and pain by doing your research before you hand over your heart. Bob says in Genesis chapter 24, verse 12, it says, then the Lord, then he said, oh, Lord God, this is Abraham's servant. Oh, Lord God of my master, Abraham, please give me success this day. 
and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water. And the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now, let it be that the young woman to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink, and I will give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So Abraham's servant, he goes on the journey, he goes back to the land, and he said, okay, I'm here, but there's a lot of women here, I don't know which one's the right one. So he said, God, I need your discernment, I need your confirmation, I need your help. I'm going to go to the well where all the single women are. That's a message in itself, I'll get to that in a second. He said, I'm going to ask them for water, and whoever goes above and beyond and not just gives me water, but also waters my camel, God, that will be your confirmation that this is the person that you have for me. Can we get really practical? Yeah. If you're going to find somebody to spend the rest of your life with, you need two things. You need to know where husbands and wives hang out, not people that are currently married, but people who are potentialists. Clean that up. You need to know where eligible single people hang out. And you need to know what you're looking for. Somebody say, help us, Lord. First, I got to talk to who I call the daughters of the temple. What's that mean? It's the people, male or female, that you're just too saved. Huh? You're just so saved, so holy, so sanctified, so guarded, so mistrusting that you just hang out with your homegirls all the time. And even if there was a great man, he would not have an opportunity because he has four lines of defense to break through. And it just ain't worth it. Yeah, you ever seen like little, little three-year-old, four-year-olds playing soccer? And, there's a, and then there's just like this swarm of bees, just a, nobody knows a position, just every, it, that, that's what people look like in church. You have your homegirls, y'all all in the same connect group, and you guys go to the bathroom together, which I will never understand. You, you, you go there, you go here, you do, and there literally is no opportunity for any man to, like, literally got to shove people out the way just to get where you are. I, I take credit for the fact that my older sister is married. Now, she had a lot to do with it, but not much. I, I take credit because it was my cookouts that she found her husband at. Now, I wasn't particularly looking for her husband. I was looking for my wife, but the way it worked out, just there was a lot of people there. But when I was single, I would throw a cookout for Memorial Day, Labor Day, July 4th, Super Bowl, Weasel Day, August 8th, the day before the 9th. It did not matter. We opening the doors. We're inviting people. You married, you can't come. We don't need you here. We're... And it's amazing how before we were Christians, we know how to hang out. Before we were Christians, we know how to be normal. Before we were Christians, you could talk to the opposite sex and just chill. And it wasn't this. <laughs> so you believe in the King James Version or do you only read the NIV? You know. I'm, I'm, I'm pre-trib. Are you post-trib or are you pre-trib? 
do you do you do you do you believe in eschatology? I just want to know how about demonology? What's your what's your thoughts on demonology? Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Say Shaboshida. Look at somebody and say, can you be normal? You've got to put yourself where options are. And don't blame God if you've been around your homegirls for the last 15 months and say there's no good men out there. God says, I'm God. I'm not a magician. Now, that was for my daughters at the temple. Now for my savage sisters. You in the temple. You just been in the temple a long time. And I still have a life out there and a life in here. There, 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 somebody say balance. balance. You could be so saved that you're not around anybody who's actually of the opposite sex and you have no options. But then you could be so, I love Jesus, but I'm just coming out of my old life. That you're looking in places, hear me, where husbands are not found. Yeah. Come on now. If you're looking for tires for your car, where do you go, Mr. Tire? If you're looking for cleaning supplies, you go to the cleaning supply store or you go to Amazon.com for all of it. But if I'm looking for something, I go to the place that has it on the shelves. And so often people are looking for a spouse, but they're not in the store where spouses are on the shelves. Can we talk a little bit? You, you, don't, you don't find a husband at the casino. You'll find a good time. You may find a baby daddy. Uh-oh, stay out of trouble. You don't find a wife in the club. You find some hottie sauce, but you don't find... You don't. Can y'all pray for the pastor? Which is... Bring it down. Bring it back. 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 If I'm looking for someone to spend the rest of my life with, I need to look in places... I'm a, where people who have vision for their future spend a lot of their time. And I can't get mad at God if I'm not finding what I'm looking for, but I'm not looking in the right place where I'm not looking at all. And then I need to know who, here's what he said. He said, I'm looking for somebody that when I ask for water, they go over and above, they water my camels, they, they water everything. Here's what he, he was looking for character. He was looking for, is there more to you than a pretty face? What else do you have to offer than them ways? Because you're going to be bald by the time we hit our fifth anniversary. So. What else you got? Somebody say, what else you got? What else you got? And <laughs> get to the segment, land this plane. And you can't trust what they tell you. Because they will tell you whatever they have to tell you. To get whatever they want. I don't care how you treat me. How do you treat people who you don't need? How do you treat people that can't do anything for you? How do you treat people that don't have much? I, who are, do you lie? You know, you can find out if someone's a liar without dating them. Just get around their friends. You can find out if someone's insecure, if they're jealous. You could find out a lot about someone long before you've handed over your heart. Last thing is this, write this down. The process, let me say the process. The process will produce. So, servant, he comes. 
He's in the land where options are, where people actually hear from God. He said, God, here's what I need. I need you to let me know who the right person is. I'm asked for water. If they go over and above, that's the one. There's all these women that come down because all, that's what they did. They watered the sheep at a certain amount of time. And, and as they come, one catches the attention. Her name was Rebecca. So Rebecca came, and as soon as he saw her, he's like, oh, that's a great option. Come on, say option. I don't need a word from God. I just need an option. That's a whole nother. I don't need a word from God. I just need an option. And he starts to investigate the option. He says, Rebecca, can, can you give me some water? She says, oh, certainly, and I'll water your camels as well. If you do research, you would discover the trough was hundreds of gallons that she would have been dipping water for a long time. This, 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 this wasn't just any old woman. This was one of them CrossFit women. This woman was, she's built for tough. She was, I mean, just. But when he realizes that she was the right one, that she was over and above exactly what he asked God, read it on your own time, Genesis 24, it says he takes all this jewelry out. He gives her a nose ring and gives her these gold bracelets and all this. And he begins to explain to her what his mission was. I'm here on behalf of my master Abraham. He's looking for a wife for his son Isaac. And he's really wealthy and really blessed from God. And he needs somebody that honors God. And then I told God, this is what I'm looking for. And this is the option. And I think you're the right option. What do you think? Look what the Bible says. Verse 29, it says this. Now, Rebecca had a brother. Somebody say a brother. Whose name was Laban. And Laban ran out to the man by the well. So it came to pass when he saw the nose ring and the bracelets in his sister's wrist, and when he heard the words of his sister Rebecca saying, thus this man spoke to me that he went to the man, and there he stood by the camels at the well. Okay, this is a movie scene, but you're not quite connecting it. So it says that he came to Rebecca and said, I think you're the one that God has for Isaac. Rebecca said, hold that thought. And she went and told her brother Laban. Laban shows up with the homies. Laban goes, who you is? You want to talk to my sister? How old are you? You at least 30. You ever been to prison? <laughs> it didn't start in Bad Boys 2. It started in the Bible. He said, if you want to talk to my sister, you got to bring her to the family. By the way, Isaac wasn't the one looking for a wife. His father was. Somebody say, teach it plain. Married folks, you're with me? Dating was never supposed to be a one-on-one thing. Dating was never supposed to be, I see you, you see me, let's see if we can work this out. Dating was always supposed to be one family and another family young people that fall in love, but wisdom around them says, hold on, let's see if this love will last. Let's see if you're compatible. Let's see if you have common vision. Let's, let's see if you're whole, if you have convictions. Let's see if you know what you want and you know who you are. Let's see if this is God. The only problem is we live in a broken world where if you can be honest, my family ain't like that. My family could care less who I date. My family never asked me anything. And what happens so often is because of the brokenness of humanity, we throw out the wisdom of God. 
We're like, nobody's here for me, so I must go at it by myself. Here's all that I've been building up to. This is your family. You're not on your own. You're not an orphan. You're not in it by yourself. You, you, you may have family, but they just don't believe in God the way that you do. You have a spiritual family. And God has placed you. Here's who the Bible says it. In Psalm 68, verse 6, God makes a home for those who are alone. He leads men out of prison, slight reference, into happiness and well-being. Watch this. But those who fight against him, those who fight against God's structure, here's what it says. It says they live in an empty desert. Flowers, Baltimore, Columbia, hear me. We've mixed up what church is. We think church is an institution that was designed just to encourage me. That go to get a good word, go to feel the presence and go on about my life. God says, no, 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 no. This is family. The Bible says, treat the older women like mothers. Treat the older men like fathers. Treat the younger men and the younger women like brothers and sisters. Now, don't take that analogy too far. You ain't never looked at your sister like that. That's weird. But God is saying, I've placed you in a community of safety. That, that if you would actually do life the right way, you would find a lot of that heartache and pain and shame that you've experienced doesn't have to be a part of your future. So watch this. You may find your spouse at a Super Bowl party. A couple who's been married for 17 years, it's your responsibility to throw that party and to say, my house is a safe place. Ain't no foolish just going on on here. Come on, young lady. You may not have a father in your life or a dad who cares enough to bring that young man around and say, hey, what's your intention? What's the vision that you have for your life? Where are you going? What are you about? Hear me. There are some men of God at Union Church to say, bring him to me. I'll take him out to coffee. I'll find out what his convictions are. I want to know what his future is. I, I'll do it for you. Come on, young men. There's some mothers in the faith in this church that say, bring that Jezebel over here. I, Do I have any mothers of the faith? I, I'm talking about the type of women that use those old school words like hussy. Bring her. Any mothers say, I'll take a young lady out to coffee and see what she's about. And I'll let, you, I'll let you know if she could be a mother. I'll let you know if she has a nurturing heart. I'll let you know if she has a secure soul. Wow. Oh, if I had more time, I'm preaching. Don't miss it. If you're looking for a wife, don't take her to a man. Because whatever little voodoo she played on you, she's going to do it on him too. We take her to another woman that said, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. I ain't worried about them eyelashes. Now tell me. Wow. Come on now. If you're looking for a husband, don't take homeboy to any women. He's going to be like, yes, ma'am. Can I, can I help you with that bag, ma'am? Anything I can do for you, ma'am? You need to take them to me. I'll carry my own bag. Can you carry anything? There's safety in community. It's what, and stretch, I'm not just talking about marriage. Maybe your finances are a struggle because you've been trying to do it on your own. And there's other people in this church that have wisdom that you need to maximize this area of your life. 
Maybe you're married and you're struggling and you don't want to tell anybody. Let me tell you, everybody in this room who's married has been struggling at some point in their marriage. And they've got wisdom that will be a blessing to you so you don't have to learn it the hard way. What's the old song? I need you. You need me. Is he singing Barney? Listen, you preach whatever you got to preach when you're desperate. God called the church to be a place that says, I have your back. Can you watch mine? God's given me wisdom in an area that you don't have, and you have wisdom in an area that I need. All right, I'm out of time. I have 12 more points. And I'm not going to preach it. The dating season needs to be familial. It's just not me and you sneaking around. We're going to be public and we're going to have trusted people. Not everybody in the church. Let's not make one of them churches. But we're going to have trusted people that are able to speak into our lives. It needs to be confirmational. I'm looking for someone that complements the vision that God's given me. Last thing is this. It needs to be intentional. He said, here's what I want. Here's what I'm here for. What say you? I spoke to somebody after the first service. They say, Pastor, the person I'm dating, I know that they're not my future spouse. I said, but I don't think it's time to break up. And I'm not putting them on blast. They're growing. I love you. Please don't get mad at me because I'm talking about you. Nobody knows who it is. Anyway, I said, the only thing that you learn after you realize they're not your spouse is shame, compromise, and a broken heart. Only reason I'm dating you is if you're ever going to spend the rest of your life together. The second I know you ain't the one. Because the longer I spend with someone who's not the one, the longer I delay the one that God has for me. So single folks, super practical, write it down. We're going to pray out. Talking, talking. We talking. We ain't dating, we talking. What's that? I'm trying to figure out if you're the one I want to date. Cool, you got eight weeks. Eight weeks. I'm not talking to you for three months. Waste three months of my life. Eight weeks. We doing this or not? What does that mean? It means I'm your girlfriend, you're my boyfriend, and everybody's going to know. And we're trying to figure out, do our visions align? Do our values align? Eight weeks. For me, it was the first night, but y'all slow, so it's whatever. And then we're going to date. What's dating? It's learning each other to determine if you're the one that God's called me to spend the rest of my life with. The first about 12 weeks of dating should just be fun. Do not ask them their credit score in the first 12 weeks. <laughs> Week 13, maybe. Just let, And by the way, a lot of the answers you're going to get are through situations, not their mouth. So you can ask them what they think about kids, but watch how they treat kids. Yeah, come, on. come on now. We're dating. For no longer than 18 months. It's, by, it's not Bible. It says wisdom suggestions. A man knows what he wants. And it don't take him that long. Can I get some real men to say. Amen. If he don't pull the trigger in 18 months. He's playing games. Now it's not Bible. It's Stephen. It may be 19 months. Can I just be honest? It's not three years. Then I put a ring on it. Now we're engaged. Y'all ready? This is just spiritual father. 12 months. Get that thing down the aisle. 
Well, we want this big wedding. Can't do a big wedding in a pandemic. Yeah, but you can sin in a pandemic. And you can create habits that are unhealthy. If I treat you like my spouse, but you're not really my spouse, I can dip in and out of spouse responsibilities. And then after we get married, after being engaged for three years, five years, 12 years, whatever foolishness Oprah taught, I mean, whoever it was taught us to do. Now I'm married, I'm still dipping out and in and out of spouse responsibilities. Because you allowed me to have privileges that only a spouse should have. But now you're upset because I'm playing the way that we practice. Somebody say, ouch. They didn't start week one like this. Week two is in there. Not Bible, just wisdom. Bible says this, guard your heart above all else. Because out of it flows the issues of life. Church, hear me. We're a family. Family's not perfect. Family doesn't have it all together. But family has your back. And you're in a house that wants God's best for you. Here's a, I'm going to flex on you, I'm going to pray. Will you let us be your family? Will you accept the fact that you're not an orphan anymore? You're not on your own. Whatever you're facing, there are people around you that care about you. And they want to walk through with you under the direction and power of God. Can we pray? Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful. God, that you've given us wisdom in every single area of our lives. God, there's people in here that they're not worried about being single. It's money that's their pain or maybe it's an emotional situation or a family member's past. God, whatever it is, God, you've placed us in a place that's going to walk us through this season. There's wisdom, there's hope, there's direction on the other side. Right where you are, with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me. Come on, flowers, come on, Baltimore, Columbia. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time to make this message personal to you. A relationship with another human will never work until you get your relationship with God right. Your relationship with God right is not about you living perfect or saying the right things. It's all about who has your heart. Who do you belong to? Today I'm asking, will you give Jesus your heart? Not your belief, not your, will you give him your heart? Will you give him your life? Because hear me, that's where life begins. You say, pastor, I can't say that Christ is the center of my life, but I want him to be. If that's you, right where you're sitting, you can make that decision right now. Just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for accepting me into your family. Thank you for dying on the cross so that all my sin, all my mistakes can be erased. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate?